This is Garden Variety, a horticulture podcast from Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. I'm Charity Nebbe. Apple trees are blossoming all over Iowa right now. For some apple growers, this is the calm before the storm. Apple trees are vulnerable to a number of pests and diseases that can compromise the crop and the health of the tree. Suzanne Slack is an expert on these challenges. She's an assistant professor of horticulture at Iowa State University. Hello, Suzanne. Hello. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. And of course, with apple trees and any other fruit tree, there's always that tension in the spring. When are they going to blossom and is it going to frost right after they do? We really dodged that in southeastern Iowa as far as I've been able to see. What are you hearing from around the state? Did did we do pretty well this year? It's very dependent on where you're at. Um, I was just out doing some assessments. Uh, some places they saw up to 80% loss in their um, early cultivars. Others mm. was around 5 to 10%, sometimes 20 but we do a lot of thinning in our commercial orchards. So honestly, we just save them a couple sprays. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, hopefully that, that is true. So um, once you get through frost, uh, if you have frost damage, is there anything you can do at that point to to save that, that year's crop? Unfortunately, no. So um, looking for frost damage, a lot of people get confused because they'll still flower and they still look beautiful. Their petals will still look fine, but then the insides um, will be brown or dark uh, green, some water soaking. And that's usually a good sign that the it won't make an apple. But mm. you can still enjoy the flowers. <laughs> Small consolation if apples are your business. But all right. So once you get through uh, the blossoms, you mentioned thinning the blossoms. Why is that something you should think about doing? Yeah. So there's two reasons. One, um, apples tend to go biannual. So um, if it was up to the apple tree, they'd only make apples once every two years. So every other year. Um, and if you remove a lot of the flowers or the small fruitlets, it'll kind of trick the tree into um, producing every year. Uh, the other reason is if you let it go, um, you'll end up with a lot of small apples. So we want, you know, a nice size apple. We don't want um, really small little baby apples. You can also have branches break if they're too heavy with fruit, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If your training system um, isn't you know, shirt up, then for sure you can have broken branches. Let's talk about some of the other problems that might be right around the corner for apple trees in Iowa. What are you concerned about? Well, we're at, in some places we're at full bloom, other places we're at uh, uh, king bloom, so like 5 to 10% bloom. We're about to get all this rain and warm weather. That's a perfect uh, firestorm for fire blight. So making sure that we're um, thinking about our antibiotics, whether that even be um, homeowners looking at their uh, options to make sure that we're protected from that this year. It it could potentially be a a pretty bad year for fire blight. What is fire blight exactly? So fire blight is a bacterial disease that um, affects blossoms first. So this time of year, it's uh, pretty ready to go. Um, It doesn't take very many uh, bacterial cells to cause an infection, and it will kill the tree eventually, but it'll cause, um, basically, you'll know you have it because it looks like someone torched your tree a little bit, you'll see it'll literally look like it was caught on fire. They'll just be brown, drooping, kind of singed looking branches and flowers. And when you see that, what can you do to respond? So if you see it, um, you should cut it out immediately, the best of your ability, um, at least eight inches below where you can see any browning because the bacteria is already moving uh, pretty quickly. 
And is there once you make that cut, is there anything else, any other action you should take? Um, just keep watching it. I would definitely recommend uh, cleaning whatever uh, you did to cut it. So um, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll actually rip it out and then go back through and then clean up the cut. Um, that way you don't have to worry about spreading it with your pruners. So, uh, for instance, whenever I'm doing research, I literally use pruners on purpose to spread it. Oh, okay. So <laughs> you know that it can be spread that way. And that yes. sounds like a, a really... Uh, it's a terrifying thing when that happens because it can spread quickly. And as you said, it can kill the tree. Correct. Yep. All right. What else should we be scared of this spring? Um, that's the scariest one. Uh, the other problem that we've been seeing a lot, uh, especially in the past couple of years, is an insect called plum cuculio. So most people don't ever actually see the insect. It's a very small little black um, beetle looking insect but what it does is it tries to lay its eggs inside our apple fruit uh, by its name it prefers plums but it'll try to lay its eggs and apples and what it looks like is someone took a, a like their thumb and just pressed their nail into the fruit and that scar turns into like a fan shape and it's a uh, kind of unsightly so people get um they don't know what caused it but it's a little bug and it comes out about this time of year and that obviously creates some serious problems for your crop down the road how do you handle that so there's uh, some insecticides you can use. Um, you can, what I've seen some people do just to see if they have it, they have some lures you can buy online. Um, but the other thing you can do, it's kind of uh, interesting, but it works. You can take a branch and take a white, like plastic plate and just shake it. And sometimes you can catch them doing that. They're really small, little black, kind of weird looking insects. So there are so many pests that can create holes in your apples, can compromise that crop. And a lot of people are really reluctant to spray. I'm one of those people. I'm really reluctant to spray. We, we figure, okay, maybe we're not going to get much in the way of apples, but we're supporting pollinators and the trees are beautiful. If you are really interested in having a, a great apple crop, does it feel like you almost have to spray? Uh, commercial growers spray every seven to 10 days, pretty much from the time the bud opens until almost harvest to get those pretty store apples. Yep. And of course, there are organic apple growers. And what kinds of and methods do they use? They still spray, actually. They just use organic sprays. Um, sometimes they spray even more because those products are um, not systemic. They're just kind of surface level. Or they have to like physically uh, come in contact with the pest to work. But they're, they're still spraying. They spray a lot of copper, sulfurs, um, different types of organic insecticides. Um, they do a lot more monitoring um, but our commercial, our conventional commercial growers also do a lot of monitoring. They don't, pesticides are expensive. They're just not spraying them willy-nilly. So people who are, are growing apples to sell apples, I mean, this is just an incredibly labor-intensive crop. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, now that we've said all of those things and talked about all of the frightening things that can happen to your apple trees if you plant one in your yard, uh, are you still a proponent of planting apple trees? I love apple trees. So we, we just talked about the natives. There's some great positives. Like you mentioned, the flowers are gorgeous. Um, honeybees and our native pollinators really like them. It's a good food source early in the spring. Um, apple trees themselves have, um, there's a lot of wildlife that also can enjoy living in apples. Um, for instance, there's a lot of shade. They have um, some unique systems with them too, whenever it comes to like their microbes. So uh, there's a lot of po positives. It's pretty. Apples are tasty and good. Um, I personally don't care if I have a fungi-infested apple. It's just more protein, but uh, <laughs> some people get grossed out. Um, 
And yeah, there's a lot of uh, good things. There's also food for other insects as well whenever they fall into the ground. Right. So if I want to plant an apple tree, give me some advice. How do I select the, the right tree for my landscape? Yeah. So apples are a lot of all of our tree fruit are unique that we graft them. So we have the top part, which is called a scion. That's like the honey crisp or the gala. And the bottom part is called the rootstock. And the rootstock is going to tell you how big the tree is. So like you can have a gala tree that's 40 feet, 30 feet, 20 feet, 10 feet, even five feet tall whenever it's fully mature. And that's all dependent on the rootstock. So the first thing is figuring out how big you want your tree. And that's the rootstock size. Um, sometimes it's dwarf, semi-dwarf. There might not be a range um, on there. That's really, especially if you're going for a consumer, sometimes they just tell you it's a semi-dwarf. So that means it'll probably get up to 20 feet. All right. So you, fig- you figure out what size you want. And uh, most of us are also interested in flavor. How do you select which kind of apple tree you want to grow? Well, that depends on how much work you want to do. So if you're not that interested in spring, there's a lot of disease-resistant cultivars out there. Not, many of those aren't what you'll see in the grocery store, however, but they're, they're definitely out there. Um, there's some really uh, popular ones. Like, for instance, though, if you want a Gala or a Honeycrisp or a Fuji, those are some of the most intensively managed apples we have. So I would go for maybe an heirloom cultivar or something that says it's scab or fungi resistant. And do you need to have more than one apple tree? Yes. So uh, you need at least two different types of apple trees for cross-pollination. However, if you have crab apples in your yard, those can also work. All right. And your neighbors, if you live in town, if your neighbors have crab apples and things like that, they're, how far or how close do these apple trees need to be for cross-pollination? That's a really interesting question. So if you want guaranteed really nice big apples, you want them pretty close, like within uh, 20 feet of each other. But uh, bees travel pretty far, and you'll still get a pretty good apple crop, even if you don't have one within that uh, 20-foot area. And you said you have to have two different types of trees. So I can't plant two Jonathan apple trees next to each other and get cross-pollination that way? No, unfortunately not. So we, we clonally uh, propagate apples. So every Jonathan apple you've ever eaten is exactly genetically the same. So they can't cross-pollinate two Jonathans. But you could have a Jonathan and a smokehouse apple if you like um, those older I love smokehouse it's a good older cultivar a lot of, not that much rot is issue for instance they can cross pollinate each other pretty well and and you talk about disease resistant varieties and then of course you also mentioned heirloom varieties so how do we I, I'm sure some of those heirloom varieties are not very disease resistant because diseases have evolved over time problems have gotten worse how do we find those disease resistant varieties yeah, there are some, especially for um, apple scab, which is kind of like the big the big baddie that people say, oh, my apple tree looks so ugly, and they call me, and I look at the picture, and I'm like, oh, yep, you got apple scab. Um, that one, there's a lot of resistant cultivars for out there. That's kind of like the big one, especially if you are looking for something with some aesthetic in your backyard. Also, the apples won't have scabs all over them, and they're, they're fine to eat, though. Apple scab is completely edible. It's just ugly. Um, so that's like the big one. Um but a lot of times, especially if you're going to nurseries or like direct to nurseries, they'll tell you what disease resistance they have. Now, if you're at a big box store, they might not say and you have to probably you have to Google it or look it up. All right. That's what smartphones are, are for. They're just exactly. their horticultural <laughs> tools at this point in my life. Right. Same. <laughs> Suzanne, thank you so much. Thank you. 
For more gardening information and tips, you can subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. You can find out more at iowapublicradio.org slash garden. Suzanne Slack is Assistant Professor of Horticulture at Iowa State University. I'm Charity Nebbe. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Garden Variety is a production of Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension. It's produced by me, Aaron Style, Caitlin Troutman, and the Iowa Public Radio talk show team. For more garden goodness, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Just go to iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. See you next time.